Welcome to Continuum, the International Business Council podcast, where each episode we sit down with an incredible member of the IBC community, dive in, and learn from their journey. This is John Fitzgerald, and welcome to another edition of Continuum, the IBC podcast series. Today, our guest is Lisa Kelly. Lisa, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, no, it's our pleasure. Um, I, and, you know, as, as I normally do with our guests, I just want to get, get in, get a little bit of understanding of your background. So can you tell us, you know, a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, and then kind of the, the career path, first from a, a college standpoint, they get into your career path? Sure. So I was a corporate brat as opposed to a Navy brat. Um, we moved around a lot. So by the time I was 10, we'd already lived in five states. Um, my dad was a chem engineer from Notre Dame, um, got into water treatment and was sent to brewing school to become a brewmaster. And when you're in the brewing field, they like to move you around a lot. So I went to high school in Los Angeles um, and my dad was a Notre Dame grad. And as I started applying to colleges, of course, Notre Dame was on my radar. It was the last school I got into. So I applied to 10 schools for aerospace engineering and I got into eight. The only two I didn't get into were the two in California. So I knew I wasn't staying <laughs> home. Uh, and then on April Fool's Day, my mom said that a package from Notre Dame came. I thought she was pranking me. She literally had to open it in front of me because I thought it was a joke. And that's how I got into Notre Dame. Uh, once I got in, there was just, there was really no decision. I followed my dad's footsteps, went to Notre Dame, thought I was going to be an aerospace engineer and work for NASA. I got about a year into engineering and it was not what I thought <laughs> and made a, was agile and made a shift and got a degree in marketing. Um, so, you know, when you're so focused on, I just knew I was going to be working for NASA. It was kind of heartbreaking to me to have to admit that I wasn't good at what I thought I was going to do for my career. And then as I got into business and selected marketing, I just fell in love with it. It was kind of the perfect marrying of technical strategy and creative kind of all in one. And that's, you know, how I got a marketing degree. Of course, marketing is a pretty wide open field. You can do a lot of things with marketing. And I really wasn't sure where I wanted to go with it. Um, the job market when I came out was terrible. And it took me about a year to get my first real job. So I worked with the Better Business Bureau and did kind of nonprofit work for them for about a year. And then I got my first marketing job, which was in yellow page advertising, which does not even exist anymore. Wow. So what did you do with yellow pages? Yeah. I worked in yellow pages for 11 years, um, kind of saw the writing on the wall with that industry and then shifted. I started talking to a, a Notre Dame alum who had a company that did email marketing. And um, I've been a person who 
I'm a lifelong learner. That's something I learned at Notre Dame is to always be learning and growing. And so I approached her. She had a a web email marketing job and I told her I can learn how to do anything. And so she took me on, taught me HTML and copywriting and how to lay out a email template. And I worked for her for about two years. Um, her business had some challenges and so we had to part ways and then one of her clients hired me, taught me his business, with, which was marketing research. I did that for four years and then in 2014, I got the opportunity to work for Purina. So I started at Purina in the social media department and I was the bag and strips dog on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. So... That was fun. I got to talk about dogs and bacon all day long. And then, so I did that for a couple of years. Then within Purina, I moved into the web, web design department to manage um, all of our brands on Purina.com. I did that for a couple of years. And then in 2017, I moved over to the e-commerce department and that's what I do today. So kind of a crazy journey. (laughs) I mean, but but in that journey, are, are there any you know key learnings that you came out of, and whether it was in those first few years out of undergrad, out of Notre Dame, you know, you, you're in a, a, a field that you weren't anticipating being in, and took you that year to kind of land that first true marketing job. Are there any key takeaways that you remember that are still with you today that kind of fuel you? I think you know. My freshman year, I was taking all these engineering classes and I was failing physics. Obviously, you're not going to be a good engineer if you're failing physics. And kind of that adversity of being knocked down, failing at something, having to start over. I think failing in college like that really set me up for you're going to fail in your career. You're going to have jobs that don't work out and you need to be able to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, start over. That may mean rebranding yourself. That may mean learning something new. Um, You know, you're not always, some people are super lucky and they do the same thing their whole career, but a lot of us don't have that luxury or that opportunity. And so being able to Overcome adversity, I think, is a big thing I learned at Notre Dame and just kind of a love of learning. Because if you can learn, you can evolve yourself and try new things. Um, You know, and I've done a lot of that in my career. And, and, you know, I have a side hustle where I write books. And that was not something I ever thought I would do either. So I I do want to talk about that, this little side hustle. That, that you have, because in, in essence, you have a, a, a parallel career to what you do with Purina. And if you could tell you know our listeners a little bit about how, how that, I want you to, to define what that is, but how that started and has evolved and, and what you do today with this, this parallel little side hustle that you have. Absolutely. So, um, When I was doing the email marketing, um, I left that job in 2009 and 
a lot of things were changing in the business world and I saw social media really coming to the forefront and I decided I wanted to kind of expand my toolbox. And so getting involved in social media was one of the things that I did to expand that toolbox. And one of the other things I did was start a blog. So I started a blog and it started out kind of a hodgepodge of, you know, marketing best practices and what it's like to be a mom and work in the business world. And, you know, I love 80s music. So on Fridays, I did a little 80s music piece and then a little Notre Dame football. So it was a kind of a little bit of each of these things. And as the blog evolved, it became a whole lot of Notre Dame football. So in 2011, I was asked to be in a competition for biggest fan of the Big East Conference. And so they picked a blogger from every school in the Big East Conference, and I was selected to represent Notre Dame. So they flew us to New York City. We got to go to Big East Media Day. We were treated like official journalists. And then every two weeks, we had um, a mandatory writing assignment. We had to promote ourselves on social media. And then at the end of the contest, they selected a winner. So we had 10 guys and six girls from the 16 schools in the Big East Conference. Um, as the contest went along, it became, we had a final four, which was me and three guys. And then at the end, it was me. I So what I did to differentiate myself is, in addition to the two mandatory writing assignments every, you know, every month, I, as Notre Dame played a school in the Big East Conference, I interviewed my fellow competitor with my five questions. And so the five questions were like, what's the best game you've seen in person? What's your favorite rivalry? How did you become a fan? So all of this extra writing that I did kind of rose me to the top. And so from that final four, I was selected as the winner they flew me to Madison Square Gardens and on center court at the Big East tournament. I got the keys to my brand new Volvo. Congratulations. I was crowned biggest fan of the Big East Conference. So that's kind of what launched my blog, launched my writing. So I wanted to start a series on my blog called Where Are They Now? And the premise behind it was you know, the media tends to focus on all of these negative stories. I wanted to do a series where I highlighted all the positive things that Notre Dame athletes do after their sports careers are over. So the Where Are They Now interview was like, hey, how did you get to Notre Dame? What was your experience like? And then where did your life go after sports? To kind of show people the diverse paths that all these guys you know, follow after sports. You know, the NFL, they call it not for long for a reason. You're not playing at that level for very long. And then you still have a full career ahead of you. And it was really interesting to see all the diverse career paths that these guys had and all of the good things they were doing in their communities. So at the end of each story, we would kind of give some lessons or, you know, if they would give 
advice to young student athletes, what would it be? And so in that year, after I won the car, I interviewed 32 football players in about 12 months. And through that, somebody had suggested to me, hey, why don't you turn this into a book? Like, I don't know anything about writing a book. So one of the football players I had interviewed, he was an author. And so he became my writing coach. He taught me how to take all these interviews and turn them into a book. His mother-in-law was a grammar school teacher. She became my editor and his wife was in marketing. She helped me do marketing. It was a whole family affair. Um, So I, I won the car in May of 2012. I interviewed 32 guys between May and January. We wrote the book in February, March, April, May, sent it to the publisher June 1st. I had a book in my hand in August. It was crazy. I was not the kid that wanted to be an author when I grew up, and yet I found something I was really passionate about and a bunch of positive stories that I wanted to push into the world. And I wrote a book. <laughs> and I have to ask, are you are you passionate about Notre Dame football, Notre Dame basketball, or is it more you're passionate about writing and, and following and chronicling the the sports? I think a little of both. You know, my dad was a huge football fan. You know, I always tell people I learned my first four-letter word at about three years old when dad was watching Notre Dame USC and my mom walks in the room and I'm sitting in the corner saying this word and my mom, are you listening to what your daughter is saying? You know, I've always been, you know, I've always watched Notre Dame football. I've always been a fan. And, you know, when I started my blog, I just really enjoyed you know, I thought I was writing to nobody, really, sharing my two cents worth about Notre Dame football. And then after the contest, all of a sudden I had a big audience of people reading my work. Um, and I kind of thought, well, I wrote this book. It was a lot of fun. I feel like we pushed a lot of positive Notre Dame stories out there, but I wasn't really sure that I would write another one. Well, then I wrote another one. So, book two had well book one had 25 football players book two has 30 football players book three i then diversified i have men and women i have football baseball basketball soccer track golf you know hockey and then during the pandemic i ended up writing a cookbook so i have 50 football players that gave me their favorite recipes so it's a little bit of storytelling about either why it was their favorite recipe or if they didn't have a reason why it was their favorite recipe, then the guys shared, you know, their favorite football memory. So I have a Notre Dame football cookbook. And then this year I wrote a children's book about my dog and her adventures at Notre Dame, and that'll be out this fall. (laughs) So in 10 years, I've written five books. Lisa, I, I have to ask, you know, how do you balance your life in that you, know, you have what I consider two really distinct careers? One, your corporate career, and then secondly, your what you called side hustle, which is really a full-blown second career. And I, how do you balance those two and make them both work? 
I think I'm very lucky in that both of the career paths that I'm on, I really enjoy. I think Purina is an awesome place to work. You know, we're making a difference in the lives of pets and people. I think the science behind the food is pretty remarkable in what we're doing with older pets and all this innovation we have right now with our cat litter. And then we do a lot of social, you know, outreach with not just like pet charities, but people charities too. So we do work with the Purple Leash Leash Project um, with women who are in shelters that they can bring their pets with them. I mean, there's just so many things at work that I've that truly fills me up. You know, makes me excited to go to work every day. And then on the flip side, you know, I love Notre Dame and I love being able to tell these positive stories. I think that, you know, there's just not enough of this positive vibe that goes out to the world. And so if that's kind of how I leave my mark, then that's what I want to do. And you mentioned that this community outreach that you do with Perina, but you're also tremendously involved in, in truly get back to the community on the Notre Dame side as well through alumni association and various activities. I mean, what, what really drives you to do that? I mean, what's the impetus? Is it just who you are or, you know, what's the motivation for you? I think when I was at Notre Dame, I got really involved with the center for social concerns and, you know, did the inner city projects and volunteered um, I became Catholic while I was a student at Notre Dame. And so I think that kind of the importance that the school and the church puts on giving back and giving your gifts to the community has been important, you know, to my family and in my life. As we raised kids, we took them on Saturdays to volunteer at a food pantry. Um, I've been on the board of directors of the alumni club in St. Louis pretty much since I graduated. Um, I'm very involved in the Holtz's Heroes Foundation. I just, I like to give back. You know, if I can help somebody else make their life a little better, then I think that's kind of what we all should do. That's what we taught our kids and what my parents taught me. And so just trying to make the world a better place. That's great. That's great. So we talked about, you know, the, the whole other side of your life and, and getting to Madison Square Garden. Are there any other unique places, people, things that, that you've seen that you know, our listeners would just open their eyes and say, wow? I think, you know, the, the reason why I've done so well at managing like my corporate career and my side hustle is that my husband is also an entrepreneur. And so as I was kind of starting out in my very conservative, stable corporate path, nothing that my husband has done has been stable or (laughs) usual. So he started his career while he managed a nightclub and then started a company that built haunted houses. And so he ran this company that built haunted houses and black light miniature golf courses and um, dark rides for amusement parks for 25 years. So he built haunted houses in 37 countries. 
kind of traveled the world. Wow. Um, and then in about the same time that I wrote my first book, he had met met a gentleman who was in the haunted house industry that had this exotic animal park in Branson, Missouri. So we took the kids on vacation and something about it just really, you know, triggered my husband. And so he came home and he said, I think I'm going to buy the, the business. I'm going to buy the zoo. And I'm like, what do we know about running a zoo? And he said, <laughs> we'll figure it out. So I knew he was serious. He had this 1970 Dodge Challenger that he loved. And he sold the car as part of the money he put down for this business. And I was like, oh, he's selling the car. Like, this is happening. So <laughs> bought the zoo. He ran the company in St. Louis and the zoo kind of back and forth for seven years till our youngest went off to college and then sold the house, sold the business in St. Louis, moved to Branson became full-time zoo people. I mean, I never thought I would be a zookeeper's wife. Like that was never in my realm of, you know, in my mind. And then we opened a second zoo in Stanton, Missouri, which is about an hour west of St. Louis. And then two years ago, he opened um, an entertainment attraction in Branson. It's a 1980s themed it's got a haunted house and a mini golf and four escape rooms and a movie museum. We have a little movie theater and then we opened a restaurant last year. So I think we've done a really good job as parents to show our kids, chase your dreams. You can do anything you want to do. I mean, we've done all kinds of crazy stuff. We had a fireworks stand that we owned for a while. I mean, the things that we've done in 30 years, my life has not, my journey has not been at all what I thought it would be, but we work really hard and we have a good time while we're doing it. And I think that's what's important. So do you get back to campus at all, to Notre Dame at all? I am there a lot. So I have a weekly column on SB Nation's Notre Dame site, One Foot Down. Uh, for a while, I did I did sideline reporting for about five years. I was in the press box. I was on the field doing photography because I enjoy that too. Um, but so I'm usually back for three, four, five home games. I was at the spring game a couple weekends ago. Um, and then with like the books, I, I do book tours and I mean, the great thing about my job at Purina is I get to work remote, so I can travel and sign books and not miss work. You know, it, it all works very well together. So what's your favorite place on campus? Um, I think the Grotto is probably my favorite place on campus. You know, my, my dad's Catholic, my mom's Lutheran, my mom kind of raised me in her church, and then when I got to Notre Dame, I just really knew I wanted to be Catholic, and so did RCIA classes at Notre Dame. And then when they took us into the Basilica to be confirmed, Father Hesburgh and Father Joyce were two of the priests that confirmed us into the Catholic Church. And so wow. I just have great memories of two o'clock in the morning and totally stressed and grab my best friend and go down to the grotto and light a candle. I mean, that 
just kind of centered us and and rejuvenated you to go back and keep studying. So I always go to the grotto when I go back to campus. Nice. You know, you, you mentioned Father Hesburgh and Father Joyce, and it's probably a good segue because I want to talk a little bit about leadership. And, you know, certainly they were two un- tremendous, tremendous leaders. But can you name a person or people, you know, in your life who have had a tremendous impact on you personally as well as professionally? I would say my dad. I mean, he had a great career. Um, and of course, his career was one of those that wasn't what he thought it was going to be either. You know, as a chem engineer, he got his master's in environmental engineering and got into water treatment, kind of thought that that was going to be his career path. When someone suggested, you know, he go to brewing school and became a brewmaster. So he worked for Schlitz and then Anheuser-Busch. And, you know, he got to touch a lot of different things at Anheuser-Busch. He, he was a brewmaster. He was in research and development. He was in uh, purchasing. He was a director, purchased raw materials. So he kind of hopped around at AB and learned new things. And, you know, his career took all kinds of different twists and turns. And he was a Navy guy before. So after he went to Notre Dame, he served in the Navy for four years under Admiral Rickover. He was on a nuclear submarine. And, you know, we talk a lot about, I think you're either born a leader or you're not. Like, it's very hard to teach someone to be a leader. You either have those skills or you don't. And so, you know, I I admire him and how he, you know, served in his career and and how he gave gave back to his community, you know, through Notre Dame and through Anheuser-Busch, like through our church. He's probably, you know, I don't know. I, I always want him to sit down and tell me Navy stories and he's like, my corporate stories are way better than my Navy stories because he feels that what he learned in the Navy helped him become the leader he became at Anheuser-Busch. And it's like, no, I want to get the Navy stories down. Like the corporate ones are great, but like the Navy stuff, I just don't want that to get lost. (laughs) So what do you do to, to, that allows you to continue you know, to grow, to learn and develop, you know, both as a person and as a leader? I read a lot. Um, I'm in my car a lot. So I listen to a lot of books on Audible and I kind of go back and forth. Like I will read one professional development or personal development book. And then the next one is just some fiction, you know, so you got to have a little fun too. So I read something fun and then I read something where I can learn. Um, and the other great thing about Purina is they very much value professional development. So they let us, they offer all these classes that we can sign up for and send us to conferences. And so usually during a year, you know, I may join two book clubs at work and take two classes. They do a lot of Franklin Covey classes. Um, so I feel like that's a great way that I've been able to keep myself growing and learning, you know, at work and outside of work. So I, I want to switch now and I want to talk a little bit about the IBC. Um, and 
as the Alumni Association of the SIBC, you know, we have a very similar mission statement, and that, and that mission is to create a world where the business community acts as a principled force for the common good globally. And Lisa, I was wondering if you could just comment on, on what that means to you. It meaning our mission. Is it, you know, is it too aspirational? Is it realistic? And and I think you've got a really interesting perspective because of both the corporate direction you have as well as, you know, the personal entrepreneurial direction that you've taken in your life. I I think it's a very spot on. And I think working at Purina, I've seen that it is possible for a corporation to give back to their community and do good and still make a product and make a profit. You know, Purina does work with, you know, um, giving dogs to soldiers and the Purple East Project with women and, and shelters and we are always donating food to if there's a hurricane, we send food down there. I mean, we do volunteer work in our communities that give us a day where we can go volunteer at a pet shelter or any number of things. And so I love the fact that, you know, yes, the work has to get done, right? And the bottom line has to be met. But part of their model as a company is to give back to the communities and give their employees time to do that, not just outside of work, but during work too. We just had a food drive at work because in the spring, the food pantries are starting to get empty. You know, most people do food drives around the holidays, but we try to do a food drive in the spring because that's when the need is greatest. And they let me coordinate that at work. So it's nice when I can kind of marry the things I do outside of work and bring it into work and and get more traction behind it. So if you had a chance to talk to a group of recent or soon-to-be college graduates who have this, this great strong desire to make an impact in the world but don't have any idea on where to start, what would you tell them? I would say volunteer. I think you know, my, my son graduated college and got a job in a city where he didn't know anybody. And he's not the kid that he doesn't want to go hang out at a bar. You know, how do you meet people? You know, you meet people in your job, but maybe you don't want to hang out with the people that you work with all day. Like, what are opportunities to meet people and make friends? And I tell them, volunteer. Like, volunteering is great because you're doing something, your hands are busy, you're not like sitting across from someone, you don't have to have a like undivided attention conversation. You can be doing your volunteer work and talk to somebody and meet people. I think it's a great way to expand your network and to give back to the community kind of all at once. So what do you believe it takes to have a great and meaningful life? I mean, I don't think that success is the end-all be-all. I think you need to enjoy what you're doing. And I think that we all should be giving back and trying to make the world a better place. I mean, I'm not moving mountains with what I'm doing, but I feel like every little thing helps. So just because I'm not curing cancer, have this giant foundation doesn't mean that I'm not doing my part to try and make the world a better place. And, and that being said, what are you most proud of so far in your life? 
Oh my goodness. I think my kids are what I'm most proud of. <laughs> it's been really cool to see them. They're both through college and, you know, into their careers. And it's just really cool to see everything that you've poured into them. Now they're, you know, pouring back out again. So it's that's probably my biggest accomplishment, I think, is raising good people. Very insightful. Thanks for sharing that. You know, and you mentioned a few minutes ago that you love to read and whether it's actually read a book or listen to a book on tape or digitally. Um, any books that or book that you could recommend to our listeners that you've read recently that you know, they may like? Yeah, actually, the one I'm reading right now is called Relentless. It's by Tim Grover, um, From Good to Great to Unstoppable. So I'm halfway through and I'm very very much enjoying it he he works with a lot of athletes to make them higher performers and so I think a lot of that is very applicable to our lives as well not just at the superstar athlete level okay and my last question if you could change one thing in the world what would it be I think the world in the last few years has become very negative and aggressive and people are so quick to argue about the craziest things i mean i try to be very positive in what i push out into you know into the ether right on social media you could i could be oh the look the sky is blue today and somebody's like no it's not it's purple i wish people could just slow down a little bit be a little more understanding and open to have conversations and not instantly want to argue every point. I think we kindness goes a long way. And I feel like we've kind of lost that recently. So very well said. I appreciate that and echo that. Lisa, thank you. I truly, truly appreciate your time today. I wish you the greatest successes moving forward. Both Purina, the uh your your personal endeavors, these uh side hustles that you have as well as with your family so thank you very very much thank you thank you so much for having me more than welcome thank you for listening today to continuum the ibc's podcast series if you enjoyed our conversation please subscribe so you don't miss our next episode and for more information about the ibc visit our website at ouribc.com that's just O-U-R-I-B-C dot com. Thanks.